You're a very good observer, Cole. We have a very advanced program, something very different. An opportunity to reduce your sentence considerably. And possibly play an important role in returning the human race to the surface of the Earth. No license, no prints, no warrants. What he took on five cops like he was dusted to the eyeballs. What year is this? What year do you think it is? 1996. That's the future, James. Do you think you're living in the future? I'm simply trying to gather information to help the people in the present trace the path of the virus. We're not in the present now. This is a place for crazy people. I'm not saying you're not mentally ill. For all I know, you're <laughs> crazy as a loon. The army of the 12 monkeys, they're the ones that spread the virus. Monkeys. He's been living in a meticulously constructed fantasy world, and that world is starting to disintegrate. You haven't become addicted to that dying world? No, sir. He needs help. I think I'm crazy when people start dying next month. I don't belong here. You're here because of the system. I know some things that you don't know. Yes, my son. You sent me to the wrong year. You're certain of that? Science ain't an exact science. You had a bullet from World War One in your leg, James. How did it get there? I don't know. You're a trained psychiatrist. You know the difference between what's real and what's not. You said that I had delusions. You said you could explain. I'm trying to. I want the future to be unknown. I can help you. Get you out. Monkeys. The thing mutates, we live underground. They're watching you. I just want to do my part to get us back on top in charge of the planet. Podcast. That's right. Move the podcast. It is week two of TikToktober. We are three deep. Missing <laughs> Sean. Yes. But I think he's going to send in. Oh, this is like this is like time travel. He'll be sending in his review from the past to the future. While you'll be yeah. listening to this. And if he sends, if he sends in the review, I'll play it right before we get into our five knuckle shuffles. I, I figure that makes the most sense, right? I mean, like, like. Not to bury the lead, but if he doesn't give it a ten, I'm gonna be shocked. I'll be very surprised if he doesn't give it a very high score. Yeah, but you know, whatever. What did we watch this week? Huh? We watched uh, Twelve Monkeys, 12 a movie monkeys. with surprisingly few monkeys. Twelve monkeys, given the, the given the title, a yes. lot more, a lot more just prominent white actors. <laughs> yeah, there's really not a lot of people of color in this movie, is there? There's not a lot of people of there's 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 really it's a very small cast, honestly. Yeah. But like there's there's uh and th- there's not a lot of uh there's there's a handful of animals and there's a hand but it's a deceptive title. Weird segue, but yes, correct. Yes. <laughs> correct. <laughs> uh it stars Madeline Stowe, who yes. I can never think of a second movie she's in. Me neither. Uh, it's got a young Bradley Pitt, and yeah. it's got uh, Bruce Willis when he gave a damn, as a we young, realized. A young Bruce Lee Willis. Yeah. Um, I say young. He was probably 50 mm. back when this came out. This, um, 
No. Oh, and it's got um. I would put up at like almost eighty now. I think he's pretty old, dude. Let's see how old Bruce Willis is. It's got Christopher Plummer. I'd see in his sixties. And David Morse. Yeah, David Morse, star of Hack. Anybody remember? Yeah, Alex, right? He's sixty-five. Star of Hack. Hack. When he was, was he, was he like a? He was like a cab driver that solved he crimes. He was a cab driver that solved mysteries. He was born. Uh, Bruce Willis was born in Germany, so he could never be president. Mm. Well, no. He if he was born on a if he was born on a like a uh, a base, was he born on like a military base? Doesn't it just says the city? It doesn't say if it's a military base. Oh, okay. Well, regardless, twelve monkeys. We did it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Terry Gilliam's <laughs> Twelve Monkeys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the only thing that Sean won't like about it. And I'm sure there's nothing he won't like about it. But the only thing that he might take that's a hell of, with. That's a hell of a statement. The only thing that he won't like, but I know he will like everything about it. He so. will, but like the only thing he might take umbrage <laughs> with is how steampunky the science is. But he also loves... It's not like... I mean, It's not the, super steampunky. The they just have a lot of Sean, monocles. The thing that Sean doesn't like... I mean, that's not really steampunk. Like, if they all had, like, handlebar mustaches... And petticoats. And, like, and, and, yeah, yeah. And, like, they had... Any farthings. Airships and zeppelins and all that nonsense. That's that's more. <sighs> this is more like that. Make it a better movie. This is uh oh. There we, we go. There we go. Uh, this is more well, like he does like he loves industrial. He loves, he loves brutal utilitarian well, science di- fiction that's stuff. What I would describe this more. As. Yeah, this is more like a in- harsh industrial. Kind like of he stuff. loves like that. Just the utilitarianness of like the Nostromo. It reminds um, me a lot of like the visual style. Reminds me a lot of like uh, City of uh, Lost, City Lost Children, Children, which is another cool movie. But uh, and anyway. you know the music score as well. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of the concertina or whatever, a lot of or accordion or whatever, a lot of a lot of squeeze box. Anyway, let's get into what we watched this week. Uh, Alec, Alec. Oh, uh, okay. I watched two things. Two uh, things? <clears throat> one of the things was Talladega Nights. Nice. I like how you're, you're uh, that, revisiting the that movie's That movie's still good. Shocker. Uh, it still holds up. Thank God they never made a um, It was unnecessary. Yeah. I feel like if they would have, it would have been trash. I mean, a lot of sequels are unnecessary. Zoolander 2. Oh, well, almost every comedy sequel is unnecessary. Like one of the worst movies ever made. I couldn't even finish it. I got like five minutes into it, turned it off. Yeah, it's really fucking bad. Um, so Talladega Yeah, Talladega Nights is still really funny. Talladega Nights. It's, <laughs> it's really funny. Everybody in that movie is hilarious. That might be the funniest John C. Riley's ever been. And that's saying something because he's been funny in a lot of stuff. More than but his like more than walk hard. He's really good in that. I think he's better I, in walk hard, but he is rare. But good. like in this playing that like that dumb, affable, like uh, sincere idiot. Yeah. <laughs> like all all the scenes with him like trying to reconcile with Will Ferrell. Yeah, he and, just doesn't understand why yeah, uh, why Ricky funny. Bobby doesn't want to be friends he's like, with him. Invite, I don't want to hang out invite, with you, man. Why not? He's like in, inviting him to the wedding of he's like, his look, wife. Yeah. <laughs> like, why can't look, we man, be best friends? You lost your wife. You lost your wife. You lost your job. 
Don't lose your best friend too. It's yeah. so good. <laughs> it's so. It's not him being it is. a dick. It's just him being no, genuinely he, like. It's like Alex said, he's affable and he doesn't under. He genuinely doesn't understand what he did wrong. It's it's pretty. Also, that same scene has. Uh, how do you turn the stereo on the TV at the same time? Why would you want to turn the stereo and the TV on at the same time? Because I like to like party. party. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and then later on, he's got the other phone call where he's like, I think your house haunted, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, that's just a settling down. And then in the background, you hear a ghost just like, get out. <laughs> and it never gets brought up again. Yeah. No, they fantastic not, joke. Nope. There's so many good jokes that if you like, what's the is it is it in the the credits the credit roll or is it in the actual movie where they're like packs of wild they're they're cutting promos like for yeah. a different product and one of them is like packs oh, of yeah, radioactive yeah, yeah, yeah. dogs that's in the movie scare the shit out of me if you don't like big red fuck, fuck you, you. <laughs> I love I love Michael Clark Duncan and I mean he's great in everything, oh, he's but so he's good, so though. good in that movie. That's also got the great line about Mike Honcho. It's a full spread, and I mean yeah. it. I spread. And I mean, I pulled my butt cheeks apart and everything. Yeah, <laughs> Mike Honcho. Don't you name. put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby? Oh, such a great movie. Yeah, a simpler yeah, time. The movie's uh, a simpler time that, that takes you back, and like a really like subdued, yeah, much um, simpler, and uh, Ali G. Whatever, I can't think of his name. Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah, but like he's like super. Yeah, Seth, like, yeah. he's a good like actor, understated though. gay Frenchman. Yeah, I like it. It wasn't uh, a. Was, he is. He's wasn't, tremendous. Wasn't it? Um, who is his boyfriend? Andy Richter. Andy Richter. But they trained dogs. No, he wanted. Didn't they? They want to retire to start a current, like a dog society where like dogs had currency or something. I remember there was something. Oh yeah, something real, real yeah. off the wall. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like having lunch with like most. Yeah, that's exactly. But yeah, he's Elvis a Costello. German Shepherd trainer. Yeah, that movie rules. Yep, most deaf Elvis Costello, and then the two, uh, the two Sarahs. They do everything together, including poop. <laughs> one single plop. What's the thing? Once yeah, again, that John, movie's great. John Gerard is on the pole, which is a statement of his position in the race, and not a statement about his sexual preferences. <laughs> that movie came with my. Um, book. The other thing I watched. Go ahead. Sorry, I was saying that movie came with my PlayStation Three. I still have the weird thin Blu-ray oh. case. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I watched was a movie that I, I thought I had seen, but maybe I hadn't, or it's been a long time. Was a uh, Pootie Tang. Oh, I shit. love Pootie, that movie. Pootie Tang rules. Uh, I think yeah, that movie's fun. It's a lot of fun. David Tell, I think, wrote it. Or no, no, no Chris Rock wrote it. No, 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 no. Uh, it's Louis C.K. No, Louis C.K. wrote and directed it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. We can't. The man that we can't talk about it anymore. Yeah, I, I thought. Yeah, he wrote and directed it, and I was really waiting to see him actually like pop up in it, but he didn't. Yeah, I don't think he's in it. Yeah. Well, him and Chris Rock. No, are, like, but uh, that movie's. That movie's fun. It's a, uh, it's a blast. Everybody's really, everybody that's in it is really funny. Tippy tie uh, on the tippy tie. Yeah, I, like. I think my favorite part was Bob Costas at the end <laughs> gets like mad at whatever Pootie Tang says to him. He's like, "What the hell did you just say to me? <laughs> lay, lay, lay me down on the panty sty. Oh, lay me down on the panty sty." <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> Salate. How do you say Dene no to 20 yeah, million? Fun. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> movie rules. <laughs> I don't really know what else uh, Lance Carruthers has been in, but he's not really funny in that. <laughs> Is Lance Carruthers Pootie Tang? Yeah. Yeah, he's really good. He's great in that, that character. Yeah. He's done a lot Chris of TV. Rock and uh Oh, what's the guy the other guy's name? Who plays his best friend? JB Smoove? Is he in it? Yeah. Yeah. They're they're yeah, he's in it. They're both really funny. I love uh, David Tell's in it for he's not David Tell's not really in it a ton. What he's in there is funny. Like I love um What's the that movie got me from the jump when they're talking about when let's say Pootie Tang was born in a small town just outside Indianapolis. That town, Chicago. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. That, that is a, yeah, that it's is a good a movie. Un- I recommend under- it if anybody's never seen it before. That is a underrated gem. It's a film. polarizing film. People love really? it or hate. Yes, I've actually never met a person that didn't like it. That's one of those weird movies that I bring I've met up lots people of people always that seem to love. Well, those people suck. And I showed it people. to lots of people in college, and it was that was a that was a divining. You could either in a Pootie Tang camp or you weren't. Yeah, well, I'm very pro Pootie Tang. Hmm. Always had, always have been. And Stifler's mom's in it. Ugh. Yeah, Karen Black. Yeah, and uh, Robert Vaughn. Robert Vaughn. <laughs> it's Robert Vaughn, right? Yeah, that. Yeah, one. yeah. Because when they're doing the interview, it's like, so who's in the movie? It's like Trucky, Biggie Shorty, Dirty D. Oh, and uh, Robert Vaughn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then at the end of the movie, Bob Costas is like, "That's that is the longest clip for a movie anybody has ever brought <laughs> to the right. show before." Yeah, Bob Costas um, is pretty funny. He he was in a uh, basketball too, wasn't he? Wasn't he? Didn't he have? Yeah, was, no, was yeah, it was Costas and Michaels. Al Michaels, yeah, and they both have some pretty funny lines in that movie. To think this sport used to only be played in driveways, and to, to think, think that a few that, short years ago <laughs> those girls were only in grade, grade school. school. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yikes! Uh, that, that movie's hilarious too. Oh, fuck. I like I like uh, Alex. Uh, the only other thing I watched, uh, well, I've been watching a bunch of the good. Nope, you there? I've been watching a bunch of the Good Place, and uh, we watched the first couple episodes of the new season of Fargo. How is that? And it's pretty good so far. Yeah, I need to catch up. It's all on Hulu. Yeah, right? it. Uh, I. I. It. it Yes, but it hasn't like grabbed me fully yet. But mm-hmm. none of the seasons did right off the bat. All of them took a few episodes before I was like into it. Yeah, I can understand. So that. I have I have faith. Chris Rock is so good in it. It's not even funny. Yeah. Oh shit! Him. I watched another. I did watch another movie. I can't believe I forgot about this third amazing movie I watched. Oh lord! What uh, so I don't know how how much how much you guys remember. From when uh, Adam Sandler last year, with all his like Oscar buzz for uh, Uncut Gems, mm-hmm. and he said something to the effect of, "Like, don't win the Oscar. I'm just going to go back to making like the trashiest movies possible, and you all are going to have to deal with oh, it." Oh shit! Did you watch his new Halloween movie? Yup. God damn it! 
So I was actually going to bring it up on the show. I, I was I was thinking since he released this that we should do a special episode on it. But if you already watched it, so how bad is it? It must be pretty bad if you don't even remember watching it. You forgot it completely. Uh-oh. I think we wa- I, th- I might have watched it like last night night or no, I guess it wasn't last night. Two nights ago, but yeah, it's uh he's basically playing him basically he's Bobby Boucher. Oh god. He's playing the same character from the Waterboy. The same like vocal inflections and everything. And it's just it's just a a, a movie for a chance to get all his buddies in a movie again. Well, that's what he like it's all of his movies. Kevin James is in it. Rob Schneider's in it. Do they go to yeah. any fancy like locations? Like he got he he got bored. No, it all takes place in one little town. Oh, it all takes place in Salem, Salem, Massachusetts. I just watched a movie from Salem because it's Halloween and witches. Is is it? Uh, it's called like Herbie um, Halloween, right, or something like that. It's not great. Yeah, it had its moments, just like all his movies. Was it better or worse? It's called a Hubie Halloween. Hubie Halloween. Was, was yeah, it better it on... or worse yeah. than that murder mystery movie that we watched with him in it? The one with uh, him and Jennifer Aniston. Remember that one? Mm. I'm going to say better. <laughs> it's not a high water. Better not than a that. high water mark. But... but like, not by a lot. Yeah, not like, not by a lot. Yeah. Well, again, it, it it must have been pretty bad if you forgot you watched um, it. And you watched it last night, <laughs> but not bad enough to make an impact on you either way. So, yeah, it like it was. It, yeah, it was definitely better than Murder Mystery. It's better than I've seen. I've seen much worse Adam Sandler movies. Wow. Well, there you go. All right. Anything else, Alex? Um. Yeah. So. Nope. Um, TJ. Oh shit! I'm TJ. Uh, I watched. I I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a page out of the Gogs playbook. I watched. Uh, I'm gonna say a quarter of a movie. Nice. I, I watched, and you know it's it's so sad, right? Because I love the uh, the work of one Clive Barker. I've read a lot of his books. I'm a big fan of his work. He has, uh, let's see, he has three good movies based on his his books. Uh, the first two Hellraiser movies, really the second Hellraiser has almost nothing to do with his work, but we'll count it anyway. And then Master of Illusion, I think is the name of the movie that I like, where it's about like the, I think it was called Masters of Illusion, or Master of Illusion, Lord of Illusion, I don't know, anyway, it doesn't matter. My point is, is that there's a lot of Clive Barker movies and they're almost all bad. There's a new um, Books of Blood movie that's on Hulu. It's a Hulu original. And Hulu does this thing that I really hate where they fucking water. And it's it's just a TJ nitpick, right? But there's a fucking Hulu watermark in the bottom right hand corner of the frame through the whole movie. It's like, take that shit off. It, it breaks immersion. Like, I don't need to see that fucking thing. I'm already watching Hulu. Obviously, I can only watch it on Hulu. If I stole the stupid movie off an internet truck, I guess I would learn that, oh, this is supposed to be on Hulu. Like, who gives a shit? You sound anyway, like Smithers at the monster truck rally. 
Well, it's stupid, man. Like, why? I don't, like, I don't know. Like, I know this is dumb. And I guess I'm probably the only person that feels this way. But when you watch a movie, it should just be the fucking movie. Like, I don't need to see any goddamn watermarks or logos. Like, all that shit just takes you out of the fucking movie. Because I'm literally... Genuine question. Yes. Subtitles don't count. Obviously. No, not subtitles. But when you when when things manage to fall off internet trucks and it says yeah, screener yeah. on it, does that fuck with you? Uh, yeah, kind of. But at the same time, like the, the, those screener cuts are hard, like few. You only get those around Oscar time, and usually those are the only way you can see those early. So yeah, I don't like it. It's not my preferred way to watch it. But but you get over it. Yeah, I I don't like it, and I will almost always, if it's something I like, I will go get it when it comes out, so I don't have, like, that's not the version I want to have to watch, you know, for, mm-hmm. forever. Anyway, um, the funny thing is, is, Books of Blood, there was another Books of Blood movie that I watched, like, it came out, like, four or five years ago. I talked about it on the show, and it was fucking terrible. Um, now, that movie was a single story, um... A single, it was just a story from, the Books of Blood is like a long, like he wrote like six books that are titled the Books of Blood, but they're all just like, um, uh, it's not an anthology, it's like a short story collection, because it's all written by Clive Barker. Like Rawhide Rex came out of the Books of Blood, a bunch of things. But anyway, so this movie is called Books of Blood, and this movie takes kind of the cue from the, the original source material, material, where it's like a Tales from the Crypt movie. Or a creep show kind of movie where it's it's um it's got a wrap around and then it's individual stories. I think it's four stories, uh, five if you count the fucking wrap around. Um, but auto- automatically, as soon as the movie started, I was a little worried because the movie starts out with this weird cold open, and then that stops. Then it's then I guess I guess it's either you could look at it as another cold open or it's possibly the wrap around, which is also boring and doesn't really work then it gets into the story the main story and this is the only story that i watched and like it's just it looked cheap the acting's terrible um it's full of it just it it has it has like cookie cutter horror movie written on it there's no style or substance to how it's shot um everything is just kind of flat there's nothing like the color palette's flat like everything like horror lives in um, like the details, right? Like a scary story. Like you could tell a scary story. Like so, this lady has like basically, she's like a a night nurse kind of character, and she has like she's psychotic, but she like takes these people and like basically makes them comatose, and they're all like hidden in her fucking floorboards and in her walls. That's scary. That idea is scary. But when you shoot it and everything's like super bright. And every time you see something, it's like in a it's like in a medium shot. There's nothing like there's nothing like creepy. There's no creepy music. There's no atmosphere to the whole thing. It's just boring and, and stupid. And I got through that story and then I turned it off. It, it's I got to about an hour and five minutes into a two hour movie and I was like, well, this sucks. Like it's only going to get worse. Um, so yeah, books of blood on Hulu. I didn't even finish it. So, and then other than that, I I, I didn't watch anything else. Uh, little inside baseball we're recording on a saturday uh instead we usually record on sunday but this is my movie watching night i usually watch a couple of movies on saturday so uh the only other thing i watched is the season finale of the boys which i thought was amazing and oh yeah that was that was really good 
I'm yeah, I loved it. I'm a little bummed out that you know we got to wait for season three, but I loved season two. I thought it was fantastic, and I I'm just bummed. I'm bummed out that that one thing that we all thought was going to happen didn't happen. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think it. I think it will happen in the following season. But I loved it. I thought it was great. I think it's. I legitimately think that the boys has one of the best casts in all of TV. I think every every character on that show is is really well done and well acted, and I really like that whole cast. And uh, pretty much the entire female cast could get it, mm. es- especially Kamiko and uh, Queen Maeve and Stormfront. And Gogs, you can have Starlight because she's a little too skinny for me. But she's she still, is. Just she's still very, very attractive. Fox just repeatedly. Yeah. Have you uh, have you only watched the one episode, guys? I've just You're watched still... the one. I'm, oh, I'm, you got you to catch I'm up. I'm not doing good here. Yeah, it's over now. So now you can do what I wish I could have done the whole time and just binge the whole just fucking Just rip. Place. It's only eight episodes, too, which I, I'm really happy that uh, – that shows now it's like we're just going to tell our story in as many episodes as we need to and we don't need to get to like a certain number because i feel like uh like luke cage for example that show the first season suffered because i feel like they told the story and then like oh we got to get to whatever it was 12 or 13 episodes and those like last like couple episodes drug and felt like like why is it felt like they were like just padding to pad you know what i mean yeah uh, that soundtrack did slap. It was a great. I you know I never watched the second season. I loved the first season. I never watched. The I didn't season. watch. I don't. I don't. I didn't watch the second season of Jessica Jones either. I didn't watch that. I didn't watch the second season of uh or third season of Daredevil. I never finished oh, that. I, the third season like, of Daredevil is awesome. I highly. I just. It. I could. Did they do a second season of Punisher? Yes, it's not very. Yeah, good. I didn't watch that. Like I just. The second season of Punisher was kind of disappointing. The, the third season of Daredevil might be the best season. It's very good. It's all about Kingpin again. It's fantastic. I highly recommend you watch it. After uh, Defenders, I like Defenders, but after that, Defenders was I just cool. I just didn't uh, get back into it. Yeah, I I, I can understand that. Uh, all right, Gogs, what did you watch this week? Um, So I guess I watched, I did what I do. Um, I watched two whole things. I finished half. Things? I started watching the other week, and then I watched, like, I'm down to, like, the last 15 minutes, and I couldn't get it in before the, the <laughs> show started. So here's we, here we go. Uh, let's start with what I finished. I finished The Nest, which was that movie I was talking about last week about the cockroaches that I got, like, halfway through, and I was like, eh. Um, the second half of that movie takes a turn. Like, shit gets real, real wackadoo. And it's a like the second half of that movie is worth sticking around for. Um, it starts with cockroaches that are just killing people. And then you find out that they were cockroaches bred in a lab to eat other cockroaches. Now they eat everything else. And then whatever <laughs> they eat, they gain the powers thereof. So at one point, like, the evil, like, like I guess the evil industrialist who, who commissioned the creation of said cockroaches gets eaten by the cockroaches. And then they make a cockroach man. Like it's like it gets real fucking weird. They make uh, a cockroach man. Like the man turns into a cockroach man in front of his daughter. Like it's strange as shit. Um. So uh, if I was lukewarm on the nest previously, now I'm now I'm now I'm gonna do it. You're fully warm on it. I'm now. fully erect for the nest. <laughs> I, Is this I, another Amazon? This is an Amazon like fucking rabbit hole. Um. 
I watched. Thank you, Amazon. I rewatched. It took me a second to realize that this is not a new watch, but a rewatch for me. But I rewatched Sleepaway Camp Three, which is uh, a ton of fun. And like, there's like just toplessness abounds in that movie. Like, I don't know if you guys have watched the Sleepaway Camp films. I've seen the first one. I don't think I've seen the second one or third. I one. think I've only seen the third one, so I have no affinity for any of the. I don't know what's going on. The, the third one is the cover of the, of the third one with the girl with the Jason mask and the Freddy glove in her backpack. Is that the um, cover? I thought she has an axe. That might be two. Hold on, let me look it up. Go ahead. Um, so Sleepaway Camp Three is no Sleepaway Camp Three. She has the, she's got like a big old. She's holding a big old axe. I think Sleepaway it, Camp Two has um has the the yeah yeah the Freddy is it is it what's her name from the end of the first movie that had a penis the whole time yeah 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 Angie or whatever her name is like that's yeah. the care that's the killer throughout the whole series that's um uh, I feel like I think that might be the first like. I don't know. It was one. It, Sean and I did a review of Sleepaway Camp One like a million years ago. I'm gonna watch um, Sleepaway Camp Two to figure. Like I'm gonna treat it like a prequel. It's such um, a strange movie. Sleepaway Camp Three is a lot of fun. It's real tongue in cheek, and it's very. It knows what it is. Like they make they make Jason jokes in it. Like <laughs> they make um like at one point the kids are the kids are fishing and they fish a hockey mask like out of the lake, <laughs> and they say something like. Someone asked, like, what day is it? Like, oh, it's, yeah, it's Saturday the 14th. I'm like, okay. Um, but a lot of, lot of titty and a lot of murder. I love so, titty and murder. I'm high body good. count. It's, a, it's fun. It's fun. It's not good, but it is fun. <laughs> um, not good, but it's fun. Now let's talk about something that's neither. Okay. I watched Three from Hell to finish up, like, the Rob Zombie oeuvre. <laughs> well, uh, you, you're not quite done because you still haven't watched Halloween 2. No, I need to. I guess I think I need to watch both of them. I don't know if I saw the first one or not. I don't recall. Uh, actually, I think I I saw most of it. Um, and I think I just need to come to grips with the fact that I'm just watching this because Sherry Moon Zombie checks all my boxes, and I'm just like, all right, I just keep watching her and shit, even though she's not a great actress. I give you credit for watching so much, so many hours of crappy movies just because of a okay looking chick oh like, come on she's good looking i mean is she good looking enough to watch fucking eight hours of terrible movies no i guess, I guess yes i don't know what to tell you at this point um but well, how it, is three from hell because i have it and i yet to watch it it's fine it's not as bad as lords of salem it's a sequel to devil's rejects yeah right? it's not yeah. as bad as um it's not as bad as 31, 31. um it is uh, Devil's Rejects is still my favorite one, but now I gotta feel like I gotta rewatch that to make sure that's still correct. Um, Three from Hell, I just like I think what's saving it is Bill Mosley because Bill Mosley's not in any of those other movies, yeah, and he's, he's really his he's good. Like yeah, he, he plays Otis, Otis Otis Driftwood is a fun character. Like it's it's like it's such a like a weird like could be a pussycat turned to a pit bull like on the drop of a dime like he's it's a, he, a cool character yeah. um and th- like no like spoilers captain spaulding gets executed in like the first 15 minutes of the movie so the third character is um that robert brake guy who was also wonder, in 31 and i was wonder also, if that's because in real life sid haig wasn't doing too well he, probably he did not look great in the parts of the movie he was in he probably couldn't do any more so that's probably why they they did that but so Robert he, Robert Brake passed character, away. He passed away like shortly after that movie. 
that makes out. that makes yeah. sense. I mean, rest in peace, Sid Hay. He's yes. great. Sid Hay was great. Um, Robert Brakes, his character's fine in it. Like it's like, so they don't like 31, 31 was like I don't know, so fucking strange and over the top. Like it, it was off putting. And then like Lords of Lords of Salem was just like. Lord of Sand was trying to be the witch and it wasn't. So What's the plot of Three from Hell. Three from Hell. So at the end of uh at the end of the Devil's Rejects, right? They're driving in the fucking uh the the convertible into the cops and they're just getting shot to shit. And you're like, I well, that's they bad. all died. Yeah. No. Oh, they got okay. shot to fuck and everything everybody's like, Well, they're gonna be dead any minute now. And they all survive and they all get put on trial. And now it, the movie starts with Sid Haig getting executed, Otis is in prison, and Baby is in a mental institution slash prison. Okay. And then Otis escapes with the help of his half-brother, who is Robert Brake, and then they formulate, formulate a plot to get Baby out. They get Baby, and then they, uh, they, they run off to Mexico, and then they're hanging out in Mexico in this little Mexican like kind of backwater town. And um, Danny Trejo's son gets word that they're there. So remember, Danny Trejo was like, and DDP were fucking them up in. They, they um, were bounty hunters or something, right? Yeah. So Danny Trejo in the beginning of the movie gets locked up with Otis Driftwood, and then during Otis's escape, he kills Danny Trejo. So now the son wants revenge. So the son has a bunch of like luchador satanist like hitmen coming to this awesome. town. It it sounds cool. <laughs> but it, like it doesn't really pan out. Like it's not bad. It's just not good. Like all the stuff that made uh, all the stuff. I feel like fucking uh, the Devil's Rejects was really like lightning in a bottle. Like there's no lightning. I don't know, pan. Lightning pan. Excuse me. I don't know how they did it that one time, but like it's all the same character. I just didn't like. So he's writing. He's writing the bad guys to be. The good, the ones you the root heroes. for. Yeah. So all the good guys are just pieces of shit, right? But like the the, the good guys are also pieces. Of shit. Everyone's a piece of shit. But he's not doing like a Nicholas Wanting Reffin way where you're like, oh, okay. you can do it. I mean that that is a doable thing. I mean it is at, doable. Like, yes. Eight is like that. I mean, yeah. Really, like they're all shitheads in that. But then again, like it's a like it's a not everybody can write like. Uh, Quentin Tarantino, you know what I mean? Right. Like, like, a, so the, I mean, so the movie just it, the movie happens, and there's stuff that happens <laughs> in it. But like, it doesn't, like I've the, never the movie happens. Andrew Petrello, movie of I mean, like, three stars. Like, but there's not. It's, <laughs> I've never like. I'm like never. Um. Oh shit! I, I said your whole name. I just doxed your ass. Sorry. That's buddy. fine. Uh, I've never. I never felt like. Um, I never felt any tension or like I just didn't care. You didn't care, yeah. I, I, I care. Like, That's I how I feel to... about most of his movies. Like I, I don't wanted to care. I don't really give a shit about his character because he doesn't write them very well. Right. So... And like the thing is, like, I think it's funny because you know, obviously he's inspired by a lot of the same shit that I love, you know, like schlocky Euro horror and shit like that. And a lot of those movies don't have great characters either. But the thing is, is that the spectacle makes it interesting or the storyline. Like I'll give you an example and you've seen this. We watched it together. The beyond mm-hmm. the characters in the beyond aren't the most in-depth, amazing characters, but the atmosphere of the plot is cool. And the storyline is cool. And it's like, you got to have one or the other, right? You got to either like focus, you got to focus on something. And I feel like, especially lately in his movies, like you don't have 
a storyline that really compels you to do anything. Like 31 was like that. Yeah, I, then, didn't, I didn't care about anybody. Yeah. I wanted to. Like, I don't know why I cared about him. That's why I'm going to go back. I haven't watched Devil's Rejects in a while, but I remember liking that movie. And I remember caring because I feel, I feel like there's parts of that movie where the characters seem like they're going to get their comeuppance and they're like in the middle of some shit. Like well, yeah, when they're yeah. dealing you with um, William Forsythe. William Forsythe, right? That yeah. scene like has tension. Like, oh, fuck. Like, this is. And that's an interesting scene to watch this guy who's like a lawman, like, like kind of break his own rules and kind of go off the fucking reservation. Like, well, that's. So it's, it's a. It's the a dumber version of the proposition, right? Like that's right. the same same kind of premise in that movie. So, but um, but yeah, I mean, three from hell. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't good. good. It wasn't as like super. <laughs> it wasn't. It just wasn't that super goofiness that the thirty one had, and it wasn't like this like try hardiness that Lords of Salem had. There it's wasn't just... anything to like attach yourself to. No, like, it's like the same. Like the bet. Honestly, the best part is Bill Mosley. Bill Mosley is great. <clears throat> He is legitimately really good, um, and I like that character a lot. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I watched, Bill Mosley, super nice guy. I, I uh, can't imagine. He's I always, terrifying I always movies, say this, though. but uh, I so Bill Mosley is a guy that used to be at every horror convention before the Rob Zombie stuff. I'm sure he still goes to him, but before like, the Rob, he played Chop Tank in Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Got it. And like that was his kind of. That's why he he needs in a he's in other horror movies from that era. But the most prominent one is he plays Chop Tank in in uh in Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Well, he did a um, he did a whole album with Buckethead called Corn Bugs. Huh. And I was in line. I wasn't in line for him. I'm afraid, but I was in line for somebody else. And I was next to his table. And I was like, I love the Cornbugs album. The Cornbugs album is literally just him doing like weird horror spoken word poetry over Buckethead, Buckethead's crazy ass guitar playing. He was so tickled that somebody like loved that Cornbugs album. He was like so nice to me. We had the longest conversation about Buckethead and all this other shit. He was so fucking cool. I'll never forget that. We had like a 25-minute conversation. You could see in his face. He was so excited to talk about that album. And I feel like I was the, I was the only person in the world that listened to that album and really loved it. I thought it was so funny to me. But yeah, Bill Mosley, a sweetheart of a man. Very nice guy. Like, and I feel like he made a, whoever, maybe it was Rob Zombie, maybe it was his choice, whatever it was. Like his character in House of a Thousand Corpses is fine. I don't really care for that character as much. Oh, but like his character in, in, in Devil's Devil Rejects, Kingsley, when he's basically yeah. kind of playing, he's basically playing Charlie Manson. Yeah, like it's he's real good at it because it's terrifying. Like how he just flips on a dime. It's fucking great. Yeah. I agree. Um, Sorry. Any uh, continue, guys. Then the other thing I watched, I watched ninety percent of this film, and I'll, I'll finish it. It's called Pieces. I think it was either. Oh, Spanish, I've seen Pieces. Yeah, I've seen Pieces. It's Spanish or Italian. Pieces as the greatest tagline about it's it's uh it's about a snuff film right like that's like the whole no uh, no oh maybe we're thinking of two different movies then this is like a movie about a uh, a guy who stalks he stalks coeds on a Boston college and slices them up with a chainsaw to it's the I guess, same one yeah it has the same one yeah pieces has the tagline on the on the poster uh it's like it's not Texas Chainsaw Massacre it's real. Something like that. I I can't remember. I'm looking it up now. Uh, no, it was. Uh, it's fucking. It is full of some weird shit. Like they do some weird stuff. Like this this college, I think only has seven people going to it. Um, 
one of the kids is this goofy kid who's like literally fucking everyone, and he's gonna fuck the tennis champion who also is oh, a no. detective who is going to go undercover at the school to lure out the murderer because she's a sexy lady, but she's incompetent in her job. Like all the cops rely on this one college student to help them out. Like so, at one point, the chief of police is telling the lead detective on the job, get me some answers. I don't care if you're tired, take speed and figure <laughs> something out. Like that's what they're saying. And how old, how old is this movie? 1982. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. At one point they have a conversation, a girl. Here's what happened. Here's the scene. This girl is supposed to meet up with this kid who everybody wants to fuck, and this guy fucks everybody. <laughs> like, and you see his penis at some point in this movie. Hell yeah! Uh, or, she's supposed to meet him at the school, um, not aquarium. What is, what's the term for in- natorium? An indoor pool. Um, hey, hey. So she's she shows up. She's in the pool by herself. She's getting ready to go into the pool, and she does so that. Is, this is the poster for. That's Peter. the poster. That's correct. And it, it has the tagline: "You don't have to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre." Then Ooh. pieces. It's exactly what you think it is. So, so it's so this girl goes to this. She goes to the pool. She has one of those like Tommy Boy moments where she takes off her robe and she's in her bikini. And Hell then there's yeah. nobody around, so she says just pop her top off because that's Hell fun. Yeah. So she dives in the pool. You see the you see the because the whoever the murderer is, I still don't know who it is. Uh, there you see their feet approach the pool. They use one of those like skimmer nets to get her on top of her head and like kind of half drag her, like drown her to the edge, pull her to the edge, and then grab the chainsaw. And then yeah. Pieces. That's exactly what you think it is. I, I, I just found another poster that's literally just a bloody naked woman, and it's got the like the the font of the low the the. It's like a, an official movie poster. It's just a naked bloody woman. It's great. Yeah, and then like she just gets then she gets chainsawed to bits. Um, the cops show up, and then they ask like the professor of anatomy to come by, and they're like. Hey, could she? Is this could this woman? This is like the third person to die on campus or something. Like, could this woman have been cut up by a chainsaw? Maybe just like that one over there. I'm like the chainsaws <laughs> in the same room. Like you didn't have to connect a lot of dots. Like at one point, the killer gets on an elevator with another coed, and he has a chainsaw behind his back the whole time. <laughs> she doesn't see it. Like, the movie is nuts. Like it's, at one point. The guy. Okay, so here's another scene. This is amazing. The guy, the kid who everybody wants to fuck, just banged this chick, and she's like sitting there saying, and he's telling her to shut up because she's too loud while he's banging her. And then we've all been there. He's like, for some reason, he's looking out his window, and he looks out his window just in time to see the undercover lady tennis champion cop walking down an alley (laughs) by herself. And he's like, what's that about? The whole time this girl's begging him to bang her again. And she's like, I'll be quiet. He's like, shut up. This is when you get to see his dick. Hell then yeah. Back is it out. nice? How's his dick? I mean, it's, it's, I, I'm surprised all these people want to bang him, but it, he's not, it's not bad. <laughs> so then all of these, uh, so then he cuts back out to the lady and she's walking out. And then this dude, this, this Asian fella in a jumpsuit jumps out and starts karateing at her. <laughs> Out of nowhere, and I gotta then watch this movie. she gets like disarmed and knocked down. And then dude jumps in, 
the dude that everyone wants to fuck, he's put his pants on and now he's out in the alley. And he's like, oh no, this is this is Professor Hop Sim, our judo <laughs> professor, and he's just out <laughs> assaulting ladies for some reason. <laughs> And then he says, like, I forget what he says to depart the scene. The 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 judo professor he says something like, "Oh, I need to go check on my dim sum." He says something like super racist, <laughs> runs away, and it's never explored again. This movie is super weird. I need to watch. I feel like I've seen this, but I I I don't remember any of this shit. Oh, I'll let you know how it ends. Doesn't, I'm... The, doesn't the murderer have like a pilgrim hat? Doesn't he, he have does, like a big he does, like? He does on the movie poster. I've not seen the murderer's head or face yet the movie opens the movie opens with this kid this this, like i don't know eight-year-old kid putting together like a a a a naked lady jigsaw puzzle and his mom walks in on him and she gives him a raft of shit and then starts calling him you know saying how you know much of a piece of shit and a dirty little and then uh as she's tearing his room apart looking for more pornography he goes and gets an axe and attacks her to pieces like, Holy shit! Yeah, like, and he's like, I guess the whole bit is that every one of these coeds he kills, he takes a chunk. I guess he's reassembling a woman somewhere because he's taking all, <laughs> he's taking all different pieces from all these different people. I'm gonna finish the movie after the show, and then I'll have a full report next week. But I think this I watched it on Amazon. I think it's on Shutter. I might be watching it on Shutter. Hell yeah! Um, but it is. It's either on Amazon or Shutter, and it is fucking weird. Sounds pretty weird. And it's like it's 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 nonsensical and illogical, but it's like I'm captivated. I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> so yeah, nineteen eighty two pieces directed by J. Peeker Simon, Peeker Simon, set oh, yeah. in Boston but filmed in Spain and Puerto Rico. <laughs> yeah, those are basically like Boston. Yeah, they're the Bostons of Spain and Puerto Rico. But that's all, all right. I watched. All right. Uh, so let's get into what we officially watched this week. Uh, Alec, what happened in this movie? Ooh. Oh, oh boy! <laughs> oh boy! Um, you can you can default to Gogs if you want. Uh, I mean, I'll try, but I don't know. I'll, I'll this movie's confusing as shit. Is it? It's yeah. So. I'm sure I'm gonna miss or misremember or forget the some timeline. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, I could see where like going beat by beat. I I could see where you could lose your place. It's basically the same plot as Hot Tub Time Machine, huh? Only with Bruce Willis instead of John Cusack. Hmm. And there's no hot tub. Yeah, we're there's aware. no hot tub. There there's might no. Be a- I don't think they have any hot tubs in the weird Bruce Willis underground future. There's no Chernobyl. <laughs> um, yeah, so Bruce Willis is a criminal in the future, but he has a he has some kind of built-up tolerance so he can be sent back in time to try to find clues to how a super virus got started that wiped out humanity. Well, it's not that he's got immunity. He's picked... Well, first of all, he's uh, he's in this weird fucking caged-up underground society. Well, I guess you don't really know what the rest of their society's like, right? Because he's a... No, I don't pri- tell you shit. He's a prisoner. Like, he's in prison. Presumably, why- there's people that are free. 
Yeah, but you never see them. No, you or never know see. what the rest of their world would look like. But no. he's he's chosen. They say he's chosen. Uh, well, first of all, it's funny because the beginning they say he's he's they 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 say he volunteered, but of course he didn't volunteer. They just fucking grab him out of his cage. Got they voluntold. Say, they say that he's he's mentally strong because he remembers things, and I guess he's also physically strong. I don't know if they they actually they implicitly say that. Because they do, in, they do indicate later on that, like obviously, he's like prone to violence, and that is sort of a benefit to him coming back. That's that, they, like, well, I thought there was a line in there somewhere about when he came back the first time. Mm-hmm. They were like, "Oh, like something to the effect of you handled that remarkably well." Yeah, assuming that some people like either go nuts or their bodies explode or. Well, yeah, and I think like he also like when they read off his like charges as to why he's in jail. There's there's a weird like sexual thing that goes on in this movie that's like really understated because like one of his crimes was like I forget the exact word antisocial but... sex or something yeah, like that something like that. But then every time he comes back from the I know we're jumping around sorry the movie jumps around but like every time he comes back from the past they they're like what did you do was it women. Were you around women? Like, they bring it up. Like, the scientists bring up women to him, like, sleeping around, like, a bunch of times. Like, it's there's some weird sexual aspect to this that they they don't really ever, like, put out on Broad Street, but it's there. Uh, but anyway, yeah, he's chosen for his unique abilities for whatever to collect specimens, to, like Alex said, to try to... Also to try to find the cause of this plague that killed humanity. All of humanity. Yeah, like... Everyone, not like the current plague we're dealing with. Well, not yet, anyway. Until it mutates. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could, but this plague, presumably within like months, killed everybody. Yeah. Also, um, just real quick, this is a the Gogs. You said at the beginning of the movie when we watched it, when we all watched it, we all watched it together. Uh, social distance outside, so we 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 follow protocols. Uh, but uh. When we all watched it, guys, you were like, I don't think they ever mention the year of, like, he's in in the future. But I guess you can kind of, since you know he's the kid at the end, you can kind of assume. Right, he was, like, eight in 96, and you figure he's probably in his, like, late 30s. 40s, yeah, 30s, 40s. So he'd be, like, right around now, right? (laughs) Like It'd be, yeah, so 96, so, so 96, if he was eight in 96, and let's say he's he's 38. So he'd have been born in 88. So yeah, yeah, say it's like 2026 or something. Yeah. Right? No, so okay. 96. If he's 8 and 96, he's 18 and 06. He's 26 and 16, and he'd be 36. What? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> if he's 8... Hold up, hold up, hold up. I can do this. Stop, stop, stop. If he's 8 in 96, he's yeah. 18 in 2006. Yeah. He is 28 in 2016. And he would be 38 in like 2026. So let's say he's somewhere in like somewhere around now. It's like 2020, 2030, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Presumably. Presumably. They don't ever say it, but I mean, you can kind of suss it out. Yeah. All right. Continue. So Sorry. Alex. He keeps getting, he gets sent back in time to try to dis, de, determine the source of this plague. And I think they said try to get a sample of it. Yeah. So they can reverse engineer it or get a vaccine or something. Yeah, like, and um, their plan is to never stop it from happening. 
it's really just to figure out how to fix the future that they're currently in, not to not to prevent it from happening. So it's not like Terminator or anything. They want to. Well, it kind of is by the end, right? But like, I, again, well, yeah. that's, we're jumping, I'm going to talk jumping about that. all around, yeah. but yeah. Um, he gets sent back in time too far the first time, and ends up six years before the plague is released, and like nobody knows what the fuck he's. I mean, nobody knows what he's talking about anyway. But even more so this first time. Yeah, he's and you're, like, he gets he gets immediately put in the uh, loony bin, and you're introduced to Jeffrey, which is Brad Pitt's character, which is like <clears throat> probably the best acting Brad Pitt's ever done. It's really except for really, maybe except for maybe Aldo Rain. He's really good in this movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is yeah, like I can one, see why he was my, nominated for uh, awards. This is one of my favorite performances from him. He's fantastic in this movie. Um. And yeah, and so often he doesn't. It seems like in a lot of movies he doesn't really like fully embrace everything he can do. And when you see something like this, you're like, yeah. "Oh yeah, he well, I, is probably one of the best actors in the world when he wants to be." I think like I feel like we've talked about it on the show before. I know maybe it was Sean that brought it up, but like he's best when he's doing character stuff. Like when he's a character actor, he's a better actor than when he's a lead in a lead acting role. He's a little bit more subdued. And like when, well, he's the lead, in, when he's a lead actor, they got to protect the brand. They got to protect whatever mm-hmm. the, they let him. If he's a character well, actor, like, like, you kind of get weird. It's like Alex just said, though. It's like a, it's like a limited war engagement. Like he can't use all of his weapons. But like when he's this character, or he's his character in uh, Burn After Reading, or he's it's out of rain. Like he's fantastic. Like he doesn't overact, but he's like way more. Like he just he does you see sides of him that you don't you don't see in his leading roles. Like in you let him get roles. he gets weird with it. Like he yeah. like can just completely just but not sit. not to a point where it's like it's like a parody. You know, a lot no. of actors like like get too far gone and it becomes like like scene eating and like kind of cheesy. But I don't really get that impression with Pitt. Like I think that he's he's at his best when he's doing character work i absolutely love him in this movie like i absolutely fucking one of the best aspects of this movie i remember after i saw this a million years ago whenever the fuck this came out i was always like he should play the joker i thought he'd have been a great joker back in the day i don't think that anymore but back then like right around this time period yeah i thought it'd be perfect um anyway yeah he's a he's a talented guy yeah very good and you get to see his ass in this movie yeah, you get to see both of their asses. Yeah, you get to see Bruce Willis's ass and his ass. It's wonderful. Two asses. Mm-hmm. Should have called this movie Two Asses. <laughs> Two butts. The army of the four cheeks. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so Bruce Willis. Brad Pitt helps Bruce Willis escape the looty bin after he goes on like a 20-minute diatribe about saving the animals and war and monkeys and stuff. He helps yep. Bruce Willis kind of escape. Bruce Willis gets caught, locked in a, a like a rubber room and tied down, and then vanishes. Literally the grossest looking room you've ever seen. <laughs> like uh, like the Fucking design work in this movie. Like that, and then there's this like vent. There's this like ventilation shaft that looks like something out of fucking Silent Hill. It's just this. Yeah, it hasn't out. been like they haven't changed those air filters <laughs> in like thirty years. It's disgusting. Like that, probably has Legionnaires' disease. Oh god! Like everything. Like I don't know. This movie goes out of its way with its cool production design. I feel like the production design is like a fourth character in this movie. 
But yeah, the the room that they put him in is absolutely horrendous looking. Yeah, so then he gets sucked back to the future. Um, they interrogate him about what went wrong, and he's trying to explain. They sent him too far back, like not, he couldn't do anything because the his mission parameters he couldn't he couldn't complete because he was six years before anything happened. Yeah, I don't know if it's in this scene. I think it might be in this scene. This like when he shows back up in the future, he's in like a cell, and there's that other guy that's talking to him. And I think this is the line I really like. It's one of my favorite lines in the whole movie where he he's like Bruce Willis is telling this other convict. He's like, they sent me too far back in the past. And he's like, exact science isn't an exact science. <laughs> or, yeah. you know, <laughs> science isn't exact science. Science yeah. isn't an exact science. I love that line. And I, th- I thought that was great. Like, I like the I like the kind of fuck up future that they're in like they know so much but they're still like not great at what they're doing like it seems very human you know yeah and they're just like well we got prisoners just keep sending them back well it's like their time machine is controlled by one of those big steam dials that the titanic was driven by like i didn't know like Mm. and i do appreciate not to get like too out in front of it but like i do appreciate that they don't explore the world that he's from at all. They don't explore the time travel aspects. They never thank, explain a thank sh- God. They don't like, explain anything about. It. You never see him leave or show up. He's just suddenly there, and you never see him blink out. He just he turned away. It's like uh, it's like Janet on the Good Place. It's a good way to keep the cost down. Just yeah. cut. Don't well, show it happening. Just you know it happened. Well, I also think that like I think a theme of the entire movie is that like he might actually be insane. So, right. like, if you don't show, if you don't get too much into the tech part of it, I think you can still keep that doubt in the audience's mind that maybe he is just fucking insane. Like, I, I know that, like, him escaping out of that room doesn't make any sense, but, like, there is always that through line that maybe, may, or maybe he's even an unreliable narrator through the whole thing and he's completely out of his fucking mind and the whole thing's in his head. Well, I mean, that would, the only problem with that is there's scenes in the movie that happen without him. Well, yeah, but that doesn't matter. That it's still like he's still the central figure of the movie. You know what I mean? Like sure. he's still. I, again, obviously, that's not what the movie is going for. But you could, you could keep. You that could up. argue it. Yeah. Every time he's off screen, everybody should be talking where's about where's Poochie? David. Where's Poochie? <laughs> I have to go back to my planet now. <laughs> he died on his he way to his home planet. Poochie's dead. <laughs> Um, yeah, so he gets sucked back in time, explains everything to them, and they, the the doctors slash government, maybe, or high council, say, oh, we're going to send you back again. We fine-tuned everything. We're going to send you back again. This time, it'll be right. And they yeah. do send him back again, yeah. and this time, they get it to the right timeline. Or no, wait. No, they no. send him back to no, World they War up and they no, send like him, they send him to jump. they send him to World War One. He gets shot in the leg, yeah, and then he gets teleported or time traveled to Baltimore in nineteen ninety six, which is where he was supposed to be. Also, like I guess from the scene, you can infer that he's whenever he shows back up in the past, he's naked, which kind of sucks. And potentially in the future, he's naked in that trench. So, like, yeah. when he shows back up anywhere, is he just fucking naked on the street? Like, well, yeah, they say, I thought they said at some point, like, he can't take anything with him. Oh, yeah, you're probably right. I don't know if I... Because that's why he had to, like, eat the spider. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Terminator rules. Yeah, Terminator rules. All you can take with you is your poop. Mm. Oh, shit. Um, he goes back. Oh, we, we didn't even... Madeline Stowe is his psychiatrist when he's in the me, the mental hospital the first time. Yep. And she's, like, pushing hard to, like, kind of take it easy on him and take it slow. But we, then when he has this violent escape, the, do, the rest of the doctors mock she, her for... She feels that. a can a ne- uh, uh, excuse me. She feels a connection to him immediately, and she keeps saying like, "I feel like I know you from somewhere." Like there's a there's like an over like an an overarching story thing about kind of like fate and like how she like it's one of those uh, it's like Doctor Manhattan thing where it's like the time time is a is a is a Time is flat, a flat circle. Time is a flat circle. It's happening all at once because, like, she hasn't met him yet, but she has this memory that she's already met him. And also throughout the movie, like, you you've shown this dream that uh, Bruce Willis is having, or at this airport with this blonde woman chasing after the guy <laughs> and all this stuff. So anyway, so yeah, Madeline Stowe and Madeline Stowe uh, could get it. Just putting it out there. So when he goes back in time and gets shot in World War One, and then ends up in Baltimore, ironically enough, not shot in Baltimore. No, he's he still wasn't... shot. No, he, but uh, he didn't get, he didn't he get, didn't shot, get shot in, in Baltimore. Baltimore. Oh, I see what you did there. Um, <laughs> and this time he kidnaps he Madeline Stowe. He should have gotten shot again. There should have been a line where it's like, why do you have two bullets in your leg? <laughs> <laughs> well, one was from a hundred years ago, yeah, and this one's from right now. Yeah, from, I went to a royal farms and I got shot. <laughs> Rofo got that Rofo cola. Um, wait, they have which why wouldn't? Soda? Yeah, they they're in like two liters. Do they really? I didn't know. Yeah, that. what are the flavors? Like normal Coke flavors, flavor. I think. Yeah. Like cola, Sprite flavored. Mm. Yeah, lemon lime, so on, so forth. Mm-hmm. Orange. Um, this time he kidnaps. He kidnaps Doctor Doctor Rayleigh. Riley. Rayleigh. I think. It demands that she drive him to Philadelphia so he can find Brad Pitt again. Pause real quick. Madeline Stowe has in this sequence has some of the weirdest like dialogue that no one would ever say. She's like. Or Bruce Willis is like, take me to Philadelphia. And she's like, that's over a hundred miles from here. And then like they're listening to the radio and she's like, it's an advertisement. Like, who talks like that? Like Madeline if, Stowe's character. If someone told Brainy, you to go to, <laughs> if someone told Brainy you to Philly, ass professors. If someone told you to go to Philly, wouldn't you be like, Man, that's like an hour and a half from here? Why would you say it's over a hundred miles? Well, maybe Madeline Stowe's never said advertisement before, and when Terry Gilliam had to like coach her on it, he's like, you know, it's an advertisement. It's like, oh, is is she British? Um, that, that her name, born her in name Los sounds Angeles, very California. British. Hold on, born in L.A. Oh, anyway, um, they get to f- wait. They get to Philly. Is Philly where Brad Pitt's? Brad Pitt is now, or is he in yeah, New they York? Get, they get to Philly. They get to Philly, and they find that they, he finds he starts finding twelve monkeys iconography or whatever, and he finds that building that he saw pictures of, and he breaks in on the Freedom for Animals Alliance, and he he he, he ties those kids up, and he asks them about Goins, 
and then they send him to New York or wherever to go see his dad or whatever. Like those were like the there's three like that's right, yeah, because they're having like a fancy party, right? Like the three the three hippie kids in that one storefront are like they're radicals, but they're not like militant radicals. They're just like crunchy radicals, (laughs) dipshit radicals. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he he ties them up. They go to drive to New York then to uh, Christopher Plummer's house where Brad Pitt, his son, is bored to tears at some kind of fundraising event. Uh, Bruce Willis and Brad Pitt get into a big fight over the Army of the Twelve Monkeys. Uh, did somebody just leave? No, I, I, I tried to share uh, a new, naked picture of Madeline Stowe. You, you did, see? successfully. That was sweet. Um, I'm not looking at my phone. I just heard the noise, the ping. Um, Brad Pitt says he is to thank for all of it, for the whole army of the 12 monkeys, because he got the idea from him when they met at the mental hospital six years ago. Uh, Bruce Willis attacks him and then gets chased out of the party by uh, hired goons. Hired goons? Yeah, they chase him all through the all through the party. Bruce Willis escapes, finds, goes back to Madeline Stowe, who he locked in her trunk in the woods. There's some uh, some cinematic sub subterfuge here because they make you believe that he killed her because they're listed in some report on the news about. I like that cinematic um, subterfuge. A woman. Oh, a woman who was killed in the woods. And brutally massacred, mm-hmm. right where, uh, right where they were. But he just locked her in the trunk. Somebody else killed that lady. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then he gets sucked to the future again. Or she takes the bullet out of his leg, and it's like a bullet in the loosest sense of a bullet. It's just like a pointy piece of metal. Yeah, I want to gogs are as a. Um, and then he gets. Uh, one, one second, Alec. Gogs, it, uh, when a bullet, uh, that the whole fucking casing wouldn't be in your fucking leg, right? That was like the whole thing. Gogs, are you there? Can you hear me? Oh, we lost Gogs. I guess continue on. Um, his thing says he's muted. What Does a, he know he's gone? What an idiot. Uh, probably not. He's stupid like that. Um, yeah, it, like I don't know, I don't like I don't know anything about ballistics or bullets, so that might be how they looked back then. But it looked awfully long to be yeah, a bullet. I thought I thought that like a shit. I thought that the actual like the that that's like the whole thing. I didn't think that. I thought like the slug one in you. Uh, anyway, continue. Yeah. Anyway, so he gets taken to the future again. Um. He thinks he's taking care of everything, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he he. Uh... And they're all. Oh yeah, they they think he's. They celebrate him as like a returning hero. Yeah, this is when he gets his. And pardon. they're like singing to him and saying what a what a job well done. He gets pardoned. Um. Well, I'm, I I feel like I'm missing something here because. Uh, then how, when does he find out that the twelve monkeys? 
I feel like there's something, some big plot point. Because why does he go back again? They send him back. If they think that he already figured it out. No, they don't think he figured it out. They think but he did why? I because they they uh they get they hear that message that she sends. Remember they like pull that that message that she ends up sending later in the movie, and they're like, "What does this mean? Like, what is the meaning of this?" And that's when they send him back. Oh, that's right. Um, Gogs, are you back yet? Yeah, no, some some wacky on my end. I'm good. Hey, real quick, since you're our ballistics expert, sure. uh, uh, So. When you get shot, like, remember in the movie, he gets shot by that super long bullet, and they pull it out of his leg? Isn't that the casing and everything? That wouldn't be, like... No, that was, like, the casing would have been, like, extra on, on the end. Like, that was the actual piece of metal oh, that right, went. Enough. Okay. There we go. go, ahead. go um, ahead, uh, Alec. Yeah, so, so, they, so they get the... Uh, the message, the the phone message from the past, and realized that it wasn't actually uh, taken care of. So he goes back a third time, which is a month or two in the future from where he was before. Right. I'm thinking. Yeah. No. It I, don't, I don't remember the timeline exactly. I think you're right. Yeah. But he goes back a third time. Uh, he has him to talk and them, he has to talk them into it. Like they weren't gonna, because they're like, "Oh, you did your job." Yeah, Gogs, take over for a little bit, because I I feel like I'm really confused on this third part. Okay, so they he goes back, he goes back to the future. They say, "Hey, you did it. You know, you you did what you 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 found out." about the Jeffrey Goins guy, the Army of the Twelve Monkeys, and all about it. We're going to send other people back. We know we'll pick up where you left off, like, good to go. And at this point, he's kind of like... It, it's interesting, because at this point, it's like Madeline Stowe has kind of not cracked him open, but he's like, he doesn't think this is real anymore, maybe, and he wants to go back to what he now considers reality, which is the past. So he's like, all right, well, I just got to just power through this and be like, look, I know the most about this. Let me, let me, um, let me go back. I can, I can keep going. I'm strong enough to do this. Also, I don't know if it's in this point where he goes back in the future and says this, but he even says like, well, you, you like, he's talking to the doctors. He's like, you said that like a mind isn't supposed to be in two timelines at once. I think like it's a it's something that runs through the movie that his character is like mentally breaking down every time he goes into the past like he like obviously the first time he's pumped full of drugs and he's like not himself but i think like he's his mental state is deteriorating every single time he goes back and forth between timelines see i don't think that's necessary i will sort of i think what's happening is that everyone's fucking with him i think he knows the truth but he's getting like effectively almost like gaslit every time he goes back and everybody's yeah, telling him he's crazy, and he's finally like maybe coming to grips with like maybe he's convincing himself he's crazy because that's what everyone keeps telling him. But in actuality, he has a grip on everything that's going on. Like, uh, yeah, maybe because he's getting so so he does his vanishing act. He goes back to the future. Madeline Stowe gets found. Everybody's interviewing her. They're like, "Where's this guy?" She's like, "I don't fucking know." And then she's back at her house or whatever, and she finds out. Maybe you guys already covered this one. I had to fucking drop off. 
Uh, but so one of the, like the side plots in the whole movie is that whenever they're in the car, they see the news or on the radio. They're talking about this kid who fell down a well and all of this like effort to try and save him. It's a real Timmy O'Toole situation. So then uh, James is like, I remember being scared about that when I was a kid and how frightening that was. And then he says something about, oh, it's all prank. He's going to they're going to find him in a barn. And then while he's gone this next time, um, he uh, it, it's revealed that the kid was a prank. He's found in the barn. And that's what like flips the switch for Madeline Stowe. So Madeline Stowe is like, shit, if he knew that and he's right about that, is he right about five billion people dying? And then that kind of flips her out. Um, and then she goes looking for the army of the 12 monkeys and she does this thing. There's this really interesting like cross scene where right before he goes back in time again, Madeline Stowe is outside of the, the place where she had her and J- uh, James had been in Philly where they met like the, the crunchy hippie terrorist kids. And <laughs> she's spray painting like, is this where it happened? Is this where the virus started? Is this where I 5 billion people die? And she's spray painting that and it's cross right before that is a picture. James Cole was looking at that spray painted image from the past. Yeah, in the as future. she's doing it, which is something that he directly influenced happening. Yeah, which is kind of a through line, right? Like, like the whole thing. Like at one point, James is dealing with like, did I cause all this by planting the original idea in Jeffrey Goins's head? Like, did I did I start these dominoes falling? Which I think is a really interesting idea. Um, yeah. and you could argue, you could argue that he did. Um, so, well. Not really, because ultimately he like that. The Jeffrey Goings thing has almost nothing to do with what is but, what the apocalypse. But if the but as a result of his actions, he caused Madeline Stowe to call up. So I don't know if we went over this. That Jeffrey Goings' dad is Christopher Plummer, who is like a super virologist. Yeah, and he also is. Uh, he does that thing I love when British people play american characters but they want to hide their accents they have hilarious southern foghorn leghorn i'll tell you a son of mine would never do something like this missy i tell you what (laughs) it's hysterical it's some of that peach tea so now (laughs) but i wonder if i wonder if like in the end like when madeline stowe is calling uh christopher Plummer and saying so madeline stowe's freaked out she calls christopher Plummer. she's like your son is going to steal this virus and unleash it onto the world as a plague, yada, yada. And then he looks at David Morris and says, you know, maybe we should up security and do this thing. I guess maybe that guy was already going down that road, but yeah. Cause but he er- took but earlier in the movie. Plumber, sorry. Earlier in the movie, uh, Madeline Stowe is talking about like apocalyptic visions from the past. And, uh, she wrote a book about it, like the psychology of apocalyptic visions or something to that effect. Well, one of the big things she was talking about was like that whole, I guess, was it the Cassandra complex, the Cassandra, whatever, Cassandra like knowing, complex. knowing the future, but not being able to do anything about it and how that would drive you insane, which is this whole movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. And David Morris is there and he like tries to tell her a bunch of shit and she basically doesn't listen to him. So like, even like that, I feel like that's, that's like the movie telling you that like, basically David Morris is planning this shit from the start. So like really all the, all the other stuff is kind of inconsequential, right? Well, that's how I read it. I, well, so, so let's, let's look at that. Right. So now Madeline Stowe is in Philly spray painting the shit and yelling all the, both 
so Brad Pitt and his army of the twelve monkeys and these hippie crunchy kids are in there, and the, the twelve monkeys armies are getting they're getting ready to go do whatever they're about to do. James shows up, pops in out of nowhere, bamps in, whatever. Uh says, you know, hey, how you doing? Uh you doing? I, I'm crazy you now. How's your mother? I'm gonna turn myself in. Now he's convinced he's crazy. And she's like, no, you're not. So she's trying to undo everything she had been doing previously. They go to like a flop. Ho- they go. To, they go to a flop house hotel to uh, to find out or t- to try and well, uh, I guess like settle him out. They get assaulted by a pimp. Um, they run out and buy some new clothes. And they're like, "Fuck it, we're going to go to Key West." Who gives a shit? Um, let's let's go. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, then at least we're in, we're away from this nonsense. Jeffrey Goines and his group go and they kidnap his dad, Christopher Plummer, and they end up taking him to like the Philly Zoo and they unleash all the animals and whatever. And that's the 12 Monkeys big plan, right? But Christopher Plummer in the van says like, I was tipped off about your what you're planning on doing. I'm no longer in charge of the virus. I've taken myself out of the equation. So Mike, the dots I'm connecting are Madeline Stowe calls Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer hands over basically the keys to the palace to David Morris. So he's no longer a, so Christopher Plummer's no longer the liability, but then this allows David Morse to have the virus. Yeah. And I mean, take I, it I feel around like, the world. Maybe. I mean, I feel like he's already a high ranking guy in whatever, like in the vial, vi- right. virology department. So it's like, right. he probably could have done whatever he needed to do regardless. But like, but, but maybe. Yeah. And, and here's another thing, right? Does, and uh, we're fucking jump all over. I'll, I'll, let me hold this thought. Um, let me write it down so I don't fucking forget. Um, so here we go. So now uh, Madeline Stowe and Bruce Willis are trying to get fucking away. They buy tickets to go to Miami or wherever or Key West. Uh, they buy some uh, Boogaloo Boy shirts and head to the airport. Uh, on the way to the airport, they see they're like, like, how long does it take the airport? It's like normally forty five minutes, but you didn't put in the army of twelve monkeys factor. I'm like, what does that mean? The cabbie says that. And they're like, oh, they released all these animals. Like, oh, that's all they did. That's not that bad. And they have a laugh about it. And they're like, oh, everything's gonna be fine. Yeah. And so, like giraffes are running up the freeway. <laughs> yeah, like all sorts of crazy shit. But it's like, okay, this is this is still shitty, but it's harmless. Maybe everything's gonna be okay. Um. And then Madeline Stowe has a little fun moment where she goes and leaves a message for the cleaners. And she's like, look, it's just a cleaner, James. No big deal. And then she starts saying, she's like, I decided to say, you know, whatever. And then he repeats the message back to her that she couldn't, he couldn't have heard because he heard it in the future. Yeah. And that kind of further locks in that, no, he's not crazy. Yes, he's from the future. Yes, this shit happens. So it goes from like elation to terror again. Wait, like, hold on. That happens yeah. earlier. No, that happens no, it's now. Right, it's right there. Are you it's, sure? I thought that yeah, happened when he was still like bleeding from his mouth after he ripped his teeth out. It's soon at well after they so he rips his tooth out because the the because when they're when they're I'm sorry I, I don't want to run all over you but when they were when they're in the cab aren't they already dolled up in all their new right yeah, their and new and gear and they're dolled up in their new gear and then they see that the twelve monkeys are bullshit. So they're like, oh, this is fun. Now they're having fun with it. Madeline Stowe is just having fun with it. She calls the number. It's a cleaning company. Whatever. Have a Merry Christmas. Like, she's she's happy. We're going to fucking Key West. 
But then she goes from being all fucking stoked to realizing, like, boom, oh shit, yeah. he heard this from the future. What does that mean? So now they go into the they're they're in the airport. They put two and two together. They find the virologist. The virologist is walking around with this metal suitcase. It's got all the viruses, and he's got plane tickets to early. They made Cole rep like read off all the places the viruses virus was uh, noticed in order. And he's got tickets to all these places. So now they put two and two together. He get his boy Jose from the future shows up, hands him a gun, and he's like, You can still take care of this. They send him off to kill the guy. He tries he he uh the guy starts really he ends up releasing the virus in front of security because like, what is this? And then he's walking through and uh he's walking out of security. Cole is bulldogging his way through with a pistol. The cops are already looking for both of them. He tries to take his shot at David Morse. He gets shot in front of himself when he was an eight-year-old. Eight-year-old James Cole is there witnessing all of this. And he basically dies right there. The, the virus gets away on a plane. And, he, and James Cole locks eyes with Madeline, young James Cole locks eyes with Madeline Stowe. And that's maybe where you get the whole I know you from somewhere thing, even though it's from the future and it's times a flat circle and all that other good shit. Then there's a weird little coda, sort of a coda, because David Morris gets on the plane and then the person he sits next to is one of the scientist ladies from the future who mentions that she's in insurance, which makes you think that maybe she she stops him from releasing the rest of the plague or she gets the sample or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that's what they're leading you to believe. That's why she's saying she's insurance. So I think it's the movie's way of saying it's a happy ending, right? Because they're going to stop. I, eventually they're going to stop. They've gotten closer and closer and closer to the, the source. Well, that's now, why she's there. Right. I mean, right. And they finally got to a point where, like you mentioned it earlier, right? They keep sending the prisoners well they've got to a point where they're sending one of the scientists, scientists. yeah so. so so here's what i wrote down here's what i want to bring up so in so in the, throughout the whole movie right you see you go back to cole's uh he calls them dreams but it's memories from when he was a child witnessing what ultimately is his own death right, right? yeah and in one of those dreams the face of david morris is actually brad pitt jeffrey goins yeah but that's, what I'm wondering go ahead. is, did Cole's actions, was this always going to happen? Was it originally going to be Jeffrey? Through Cole's actions, it diverted Jeffrey off of that path, but it brought David Morse onto it. Uh, I don't read it like that. I think that that, I, maybe. To, to, I mean, it's a valid it's a valid question, but I don't read it like that. I think what, what it, or later in the movie... Madeline Stowe talks about how crazy people impart like things that 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 influence them. They they like she she makes up this whole thing. She thinks he's full of shit because the only reason that she was in his dream is because like he knows her and he's putting her in that place. I think that's what the like it's purposefully trying to throw you off, right? Well, see, as well as just as seeing Jeffrey because it's a it's like a red herring for the audience, but you can write it off as again he's on drugs, he's being gaslit, or he's losing his fucking mind. So he's just associating Brad Pitt with that. 
See, I think, point- I think I think it's the opposite. I think that James Cole is the only person in this movie who knows what's going on the entire time, and everyone else is telling him he's crazy. And you're saying, look, because because the reason he, she ended up in his dreams is because he saw her as a kid. It's not because of the explanation she gave. It's because he actually saw her, but as her, a kid. But, but she's she's the only one that stays consistent. Like she's right. the same. that's why I'm saying his actions changed the fates and changed created a divergent future. Like if but, you can trust that vision, yeah, why can't but, you trust the Brad Pitt vision? Because his actions that doesn't make any sense, right? Because the whole point of the movie is that his actions it's it's one of those fucking time travel things. It's a paradox because if he never did anything to begin with, his kid would the the kid version of himself wouldn't remember him at all, right? So his actions are always the same. His actions, like to to complete that timeline or whatever, he's always going to do the same thing, right? Okay, okay. So like it that that's that's what I mean. Like the day it's always been David Morris. It's just he's so fucking gacked up or whatever or or you could even read it like this he's so he's so hell-bent on wanting it to be brad pitt he thinks it's brad pitt because at that point he's like he's associating with with something that he could directly impact well could it always be that his he will always be the guy who chases down whoever the person ultimately ends up being that releases the virus and then the person that does changes that's a, I mean, you can read it that way. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a fucking authority. I'm just giving you my opinion. No, I'm, yeah, Alec, you got to vote. Facts don't care about your feelings. Mm. <laughs> Shout out Ben <laughs> Shapiro. <laughs> you both bring up valid points. I wish Sean was here. I, he, I'm you know, with you, fellas. Um, he's well, our, the old, our time travel expert. So, I mean, the only reason that the whole end happens is because James calls the future one last time to like almost gloat. Right. And none of it would have happened if he didn't do it. Hadn't done that. If he hadn't done that, he would have gotten off. But I guess the whole virus would have been released. (laughs) He would have gotten off. Yeah. He calls one last time to say, no, the 12 monkeys are a prank. That's not big. It's not who you want. Yeah, and then, and, and, then, then, and then presumably that sends them down to a whole nother rabbit hole. Yeah, and who knows how many here. how many trips and times back they took to get to that, and then they sent Jose back, and he shows up like ten seconds after he ends the phone call, right? After he chokes that guy who was just trying to take a dump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that shit was funny. He's just trying to take a fat shit. Pretty much. That's the movie. That is the movie. Um, a a classic sci-fi banger. Uh, I mean, we talked a lot about the movie during the synopsis this time, so let's just get into five knuckle shuffles. At this point, I will inter interject Sean's five knuckle shuffles if he sent me one. So uh, I'm going to make a beeping sound right now. This is me going beep beep beep. Wap, wap, wap. TJ, when you edit this, this is why I go beep, 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 and that's where you put this in. Gogs, make a very loud... Actually, it won't matter, because I, I crack it all down, so it won't, there's no peaks. So the clown has no penis. <laughs> all right, five-knuckle shuffle time. <laughs> now, we're all 
in uh we're all waiting in anticipation for this one dying to know, dying to know i've been dying to know since we left your house gogs gogs talked to me in outside of your house immediately and, and wanted to know that what alec was going to think and i i have no idea alec, <laughs> alec is an enigma we had a I, I, conversation um, outside of our cars going alec, where do we you think say, it's going to land before you say anything i will say that there wasn't any noticeable Alecisms that you hated it. There was no groaning. Uh, it didn't appear that you were on your phone. <laughs> I'm gonna write. I'm this time. I'm writing down my my predicted score. Okay. Uh, all right. So yeah, I don't know what you felt about it. And aside from uh, what you said earlier tonight on the show, I, I I'm not sure how you feel about it. I don't have really a guess either. So go ahead, Alec. Okay. Uh, my score is going to be a seven. Wow! I would. I. Uh, it, uh, that's a good overall, score. Alex, Gog's got it. Gog's nailed it. Seven. <laughs> nailed it. All right. Overall, uh, it was. Uh, I enjoyed it. Like I feel. I think I've seen this before. I don't know if I've seen the whole thing, and I definitely, if I have seen the whole thing, I haven't seen it all in one sitting. But there were scenes I remember. I remember Brad Pitt in the uh, mental hospital at the beginning being crazy. Sure. I remember uh, Bruce Willis in the future looking like dog shit. Um, yeah, overall, it's a good movie. It's pretty. It's tight. It uh, the like this movie. Moves. It's well acted. Uh, well, see, that's that's one. Of, I, I don't think it moves necessarily. Really? Oh man, like it, it's. Yeah, like I, I think they could have combined some stuff and cut out a little bit of the one of the trips in the time travel, mm-hmm. um, and kind of pushed a little bit of that together, maybe because like two hours and ten minutes is a it's little long. A little like long. it could have been like an hour forty-five. Yeah, I don't. Um, but they they could have trimmed some fat uh, instead of like Brad Pitt was great, but they could have. They could have cut him back, reined him in a little bit, and got rid of some of his like ten minute long uh, soliloquies. I feel like um, the dinner party Jeffrey scene goes on a little long because it's kind of like it, you know what I mean. Like it's kind of like it is that like they get they get done the plot point of that they need to get through, and then it kind of keeps going. So yeah, I I I, could, I agree with that. Um, and the the other thing that. It, it wasn't major bothered me, but like at certain points in the movie, like, I, I don't know if I, I was Terry Gilliam, like who knows? It might've just been his like artistic choice, but the music did not like, like match the tone of like the scenes at all. Yeah. there, I agree with that too. There is like some weird choices like, and I didn't notice that. Until- um, Watching it this time, I noticed that there was definitely some odd cues. Like at one point, and I was trying to think if it was when there was like a TV on in the background, but like when Brad Pitt's doing his thing, there's like Looney Tune sounds going on. Like, come on, man, we get it. He's yeah. crazy. Like, you don't need to like have like the sound of like a Bugs Bunny anvil drop in like a yeah all the sound effects. Like, we we get it. He's he's nuts though. Well, I, I um, like there, during this watching, I felt like Terry Gilliam almost looks at certain points of this movie like it's a comedy, like or and maybe that's just me 
like going in on the musical cues that you're talking about. Like I, I definitely didn't get that reading the first time I watched it, but I, this movie did seem a lot more silly this time when I watched it. I don't think I wouldn't say a comedy, but I would say that he's really trying to like uh lampshade, like the fucking absurdity. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing. I mean the same thing. So it's <laughs> seven. Alec. Anything else? Yeah. Like I, uh, overall, Overall, I enjoyed it. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was pretty good. All right. Um, I continue to not know what flourishes in the mind of Alec. I'm very excited. I got <laughs> that one right. Like I'm fucking stoked right now. Did a great job. Good job. And um, Gogs too. Um, I Gogs this is, this Gogs, be a... Gogs Gogs. Yes, 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 yes. This will be a uh, it's gonna be a ten for me, and it's probably I, I don't know I know we've talked about this in the past. I don't know if I can really look at this movie objectively. I love it. I love everything about it. Um, normally, I want more world building and being fleshed out, and I want to know the answers and stuff. But there's something about the way this is done that I fucking just love. I love that you don't know anything else about the future except for the tiny little sliver you're given through James Cole's like lens. I love the fact that the the time travel which is the most astonishing part of this is completely just overlooked. Like whatever. No, we have time travel. We deal with that. Um, I never picked up, even though it's fucking spoon fed to you. Um, I never picked up before the whole fact that basically Madeline Stowe has the Cassandra complex thrust upon her, which is the thing she's talking about and wrote a book about. Like I never really grasped, that aspect of the movie before and, and, and the, the parallel play between James, she trying her trying to convince James that he's insane. And then here trying to convince him that he's not like, right, right. like her character is like their dynamic in this whole movie is awesome. It's fucking great. Um, Dave Morris plays a wonderful creep. He's barely on it, the movie, but he's fucking terrifying. Like just vacant, like dead eyes. Can understand and, um, why he got that show hack. And and Brad Pitt is like like this is like like this is the Brad Pitt like when I think about Brad Pitt this is the Brad Pitt I think about I think about fucking hand signals the fucking plagues of madness and all that I, shit like this is the I love this Brad Pitt like him just like going off like Dennis Leary like just screaming about shit like it's, I also forgot how many times Brad Pitt just flips people off that's like yeah, his like, thing like he's just yeah. like but and, and and there's that one. That one, the one moment that's kind of the, the linchpin to, um, to Bruce Willis and Bruce Willis is wonderful in it. Let me add, like I know we say he phones a lot of shit in, he does not phone anything in this movie. No, not um, great in this. The the linchpin to like, I guess, Bruce Willis questioning his mental stability and whether he's psych his psychosis is that moment he has with that gentleman in the mental institution where he goes. I'm so-and-so and I know I'm not from outer space. And he, exp- it's like a crazy person explaining that he knows he's crazy and why. And it's, I don't know, that whole scene shot on that crazy Dutch angle that makes it all wackadoo. I fucking love this. I love everything about it. I don't disagree. It's a, there's a little long, the parts of it get a little long and there's stuff they could probably edited or changed, but I, I, I fucking love it. I love everything about it. And stuff that I normally don't love in other movies, I love in this. So, 
That's 10. Nice. Uh, TJ. Uh, it is a 10 for me, dog. I love this movie as well. Uh, I was pleased to find out that I still like this movie quite a bit. Uh, it's really good to see Bruce Willis play a character that's not like a relentless tough guy. Like he shows a lot of vulnerability in this role. Like he's drooling and naked and like on the verge of tears. Like he's, he's got a lot of issues in this movie and that's certainly not a character that you see Bruce Willis play anymore. Again, like we've all mentioned, he tries in this movie. Uh, he does an excellent job. Uh, everyone's good in this movie except for maybe Madeline Stowe, who I think is like weird. Really, I feel like her acting is like kind of all over the place. Oh, I, uh, she was good. I don't think she's bad. I just don't know if she. I feel like some some scenes she feels like she's in a different movie. Uh, but overall, I mean, the fucking the world is amazing. Like I said before, the set design and the fucking effect, like not the effects, but like the props, like the weird interrogation ball with all the screens and the fucking screens have monocles. And like, it's like the, the whole look of his world and this weird caged existence. Like, I mean, that's absolutely incredible. Um, it's also probably the greatest remake to ever be made. It's, this is technically a remake of a art film. It's not, I wouldn't really, I guess it's a film technically. But it's a it's a film called La Jete. It's a silent. It's not silent. I'm very tired. It's a slideshow. You're basically. mixing up silent and French. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it's a slideshow. It's a slideshow. Well, it's a movie that's told through still images, <laughs> and that's it. Like that's the movie. And this is an amazing. Uh, I like I said, this is probably the greatest remake ever made. Uh, and um, I, I love it. I mean, I I love the fucking... I love all of the time travel shit. I love the weird scene where he shows up in fucking World War One. Like, the way that scene is shot is amazing. Like, Terry Gilliam's a fucking genius. Uh, this is one of his best movies, if not his best movie. I th- I still think I'd give the edge to Brazil. Um, his cut, not the theatrical. Um it's really good, and I am very happy to revisit it here on the show. So yeah, it's a ten for me. I, I love this movie. I love this. This is one of those like early. I mean, this came out well, when we were in middle school, I guess. I mean, high school, early high school, early high school. I mean this this movie had a big impact on me about like watching weird ass movies and. Uh, yeah, ninety six. We were like either freshmen or sophomores. Yeah. Um. It was fan- it's fantastic. It's a great movie. Um, I it, it really fires on all cylinders. I like and I I don't know like I just it's one of those things. It's just it's also like very much its own thing. There's not a whole lot of like I can't really think of any other movie that's like well what's like Twelve Monkeys like I have no fucking idea. Um, and what's interesting about it like, uh, well one of the things interesting about it and, uh. It made it's kind of I guess because it had a lot of star power behind it. It made a for being kind of a out there movie. It made a shit ton of money. Yeah, well, it's got Brad Pitt and it's got Bruce Willis. So I mean, I can understand just by having those names alone, it's going to make money. Um, yeah, it, made, it made like one seventy on thirty mil. Yeah, I can it, I can I can see that. I mean, that's probably is it is it the most uh, is it the most like uh, highest grossing Terry Gilliam movie. I imagine it's either that or fear and loathing. So um, 
while I while we were on um, doing the show. So La Jate is the whole thing is available on YouTube for free, and it's it, it's twenty eight minutes long. I highly recommend everybody watch it because it's one it's short, but it's a uh, it's cool to watch what inspired Twelve Monkeys. Like I I really wow, you're, yeah it's 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 his highest rating according to the numbers dot com. It's his highest rated. It's his biggest box office by yeah. about sixty million. The I'm brothers, not... the brothers Grimm. Oh, I forgot he made that. Is the yeah. second highest. Yeah, that Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus, The Fisher King, Time, Fear and Loathing only made thirteen mil. I'm not surprised with that. That movie's very weird. Like that movie's crazy weird, and uh, I. I don't know. It's not like as like this also like I don't know if you remember the trailers for this movie. Like this movie is weird, but it has like like it, like this the sci-fi element is going to draw in people that aren't necess- like the the trailer made it look like mysterious. I mean it is mysterious, but I feel like I I can see a general audience wanting to see this movie. Uh anyway, uh that's uh, that's it. So yeah, g- good scores all around. Who gets next week's pick? Who's already gone? It's been me and who who had the first pick? Sean, right? Sean, yeah, Sean picked Free Alec, Jack. You yeah, got a Alec. Pick. Yeah. What's your pick? Uh, Palm Springs. Oh, all right. Oh, I've been wanting to watch that. This is available cool. on Hulu. I might watch it as soon as we get yep. it. Hulu, Hulu original, original, right? Yeah, it's a Hulu original. Well, yep. no, it's not an original. I mean, they paid for it. It was originally supposed to be a theatrical release, but with COVID, I think Hulu bought it. So. Yeah, they bought it, so it's... I mean, whatever, potato, potato, who really cares? But, uh, all right. Well, yeah, potato, Palm- potato. <laughs> Palm Springs next week. Uh, you guys know the drill. Eat your own ass. Stay safe. Uh, you know, eat ass responsibly, I guess. Six feet apart. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yep. huge, wear a face mask. Wear, huge wear a, tongue. Yeah, wear a face mask. Well, I mean, if you, I guess if your face is six feet away from their face, they're just their ass just needs to be that far away from their head. So you need to find somebody that's like long torso, <laughs> yeah, like nine feet tall. Yeah, eat like, like a, Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, eat like a human giraffe's ass. <laughs> and here he comes, the human giraffe. You, you got to find Mecha Neck from He Man and eat his ass. <laughs> Hell yeah! All right, everybody. See ya. All right. Good show, guys.